Good evening, this is Quintus Curtius, and welcome back to Fortress of the Mind. The subject of this podcast is going to be gaining and maintaining confidence. And the issue came up in an email that I received yesterday from a reader. And let's go over his email, and then let's see what sort of answers we can provide to answer his questions. He says, Hey man, I really appreciate your making podcasts that help guys out. Thanks to you, I got into Stoic philosophy that is really helping me become a better man. I have also put aside time-wasting activities and focused more on my studies. Overall, I feel that I'm going in the right direction, yet I'm still not the yet I'm still not the man I want to be. I let myself get disrespected. I am scared of conflict. I get intimidated easily. What can I do to fix this? Please, brother, any advice would be greatly appreciated. Thank you. All right. Well, let's go about answering this question here. You know, you might think that at this late date, what more can be said about the subject of gaining and maintaining confidence that hasn't already been said before? You might think nothing of any new substance can be left to be said about this subject. Everything that really can be said has already been said. And you know what? You might be right. You might be right about that. But I still wanted to make this podcast anyway. And do you want to know why? Because you can never hear it enough. Some lessons, some points, some issues, some problems can never be discussed enough. Especially the subject of confidence. And especially the subject of gaining and maintaining confidence. Because there are many times in life when we have to psych ourselves up for certain types of activities. We have to flagellate ourselves almost into action. And the more we think about certain subjects, the more the action plan seeps into our subconscious, the more it becomes part of our existence, and the better able we will be to handle the problems that come down the road. So if you think that, oh, well, I've heard it all before. I've heard it all before. I've seen it all before. There's nothing left to say. You might be right. But at the same time, it never hurts. It never hurts. And I'm willing to bet even those who say this are still going to listen anyway to the podcast because, let's face it, it never hurts to get a refresher. So when I was thinking about trying to answer this question, I thought there might be... uh, a good way to do it and a better way to do it. The best way to do it, I think, is to write down certain specific recommendations and go through those line by line and point by point. So that's the, that's the, the back story here. And again, the subject is gaining and maintaining confidence. This is what I think. The first point is get it out of your mind that you're ever going to reach some sort of blissful end state where you are walking around with a permanent direction, you're always confident, and where conflict never bothers you, and you're always on cloud nine regarding confidence, and you never have a further care in the world. Get that out of your mind. That's not going to ever happen. It will never happen. You will never reach a point where the difficulties and the conflicts of life do not move you in some way. You're always going to feel butterflies. You're always going to feel that tension. You're always going to feel that uh, 
anxiety maybe before you enter the uh, the arena and that's good that's the body's way of telling you to prepare part of that is good now it should not reach a point of paralysis but it should be something that puts you in alert mode so you're never going you're never going to reach a point where you just are mr confident and everything is going great and everything is wonderful and you might get that impression from listening to some people from watching movies, from listening to people in the media or on social media or where, wherever, wherever. People who talk a lot of nonsense. People who act like they have all the answers, they know everything. They're going to try to make you feel bad by making themselves up to be something that is not realistic. So get that out of your mind. That's the first thing. You're never going to reach a point where the difficulties and the conflicts of life never bother you. They're always, at some on some level, going to uh, put you in alert mode at the very least. Okay? And that's good. You know, it shows that you have a conscience. It shows that you're human. If you were not somewhat um, alert and, and somewhat um, concerned about getting into conflict, then there'd be something wrong with you. But the key to life is controlling it. The key to handling it is mastering the emotion and turning that anxiety and that nervousness into positive action-oriented energy. So that's the first point. The second point is you're only going to get to a level where your confidence is built up and your comfort with conflict scenarios is built up by putting yourself into situations where you have to uh, frankly, be injected into conflict scenarios. You're going to have to go out of your way to put yourself into those scenarios. Instead of shying away from them, you should go towards them. Instead of shying away from them, you should go towards them. And this really is what separates the men who make themselves into what they want to be and those who never get off their asses and do anything positive. At some point, you've got to do something. At some point, you've got to take action. You've got to do something, and you've got to do it now. So you've got to go out of your way to put yourself into situations where you are required to have confidence, and you are, you are required to get into the mix a little bit, to throw some elbows, to jostle, to tussle. You've just got to do it. One of the ways to do this is by seeking out positions of leadership. If you want to know what it's like to be assailed on all sides by unrealistic people, if you want to know what it's like to truly have to endure the hot seat, try being in a leadership position for a while or try being in a situation that calls for exercise of responsibility over others. And you'll find out very quickly that that will prepare you very much uh, in terms of knowing what human nature is like and knowing how to lead and to guide men. That's the, uh, that's the third point, is seeking out positions of leadership. The fourth point is to read stories, biographies, and accounts of great men under stress and under duress. Three of my books have been focused almost exclusively on this issue. 37, Pantheon, and Pathways are all filled 
filled with stories, with essays on the subject of great men under duress and how they handle themselves. And if those types of stories don't inspire you to take action, then you really might want to check your pulse because you, may not, you might not be alive. Because that is the true essence of life. That is the true essence of life. That is the true essence of life. And I think you also have to find some way to adopt the right attitude towards life. You have to embrace, and I, maybe I should make this my fifth point, is adopting the right attitude or adopting the right perspective or philosophy of life. You have to embrace some sort of worldview that provides you comfort, that provides you solace, and cushions, I think, a little bit of the the hardships and the difficulties of life. And if you find that Stoicism does that, great. If you find that religion does that, great. If you find that some other positive uh, worldview does that, then that's fine. And, you know, if you've done a lot of reading on Stoicism, and I, I assume that you've, uh, uh, I'll take you at your word that you've done that, that's great. You should also try to experiment with some of the other philosophical schools. Don't just limit yourself to one school, because no one school has all the answers. Stoicism has some answers, has some great answers, but you might enrich yourself even further if you read a little bit more about some of the other schools, about Platonism, about Epicureanism, about some of the other philosophical ideas in history, and that will only add to and deepen your knowledge and your appreciation of Stoicism if you do that. So you have to try to find a way to embrace a philosophy of life that allows for the clash, the clang, and the roar of conflict, because you're never going to get away from it. You're never going to get away from it. And, you know, as an example of that, you know, these days, most of the types of conflicts that I get into are, are challenges with running a law firm, the challenges of dealing with clients, of dealing with cases, of trying cases in court. And let me tell you, you're always going to feel a little bit of self-doubt. You're always going to feel a little bit of hesitation. You're always going to feel a little bit of self-reflection and wonder, maybe after a trial is over, hey, you know, did I do this right? Did I do that right? Should I have had all of my exhibits ordered the way I did? Should I have asked those questions the way that, the way that I asked them? Should I have maybe said something differently to the judge? Should I have maybe said something differently to opposing counsel? You're always going to go through these mental scenarios. And I think everybody who has a job who works in the arena of life is going to have similar concerns that they go over in their mind. But at some point, you, you will reach a point in your life where you will just say, you know what, this is what I have to do. This is what I'm going to do. I'm not going to turn my guts inside out over this. I can only do so much. I can only do what I, the best I can do. And I'm going to go in there and I'm going to give everything I've got. And that's it. And that's all you can do. And you have to arrive at a point where you reach that mental end zone, for lack of a better word. And I really think that a lot of this only comes, really only comes back to age. Only with time will you truly able to put this sort of perspective on things. And that's the one thing that you, you really can't do. You really can't, if you're in your 20s or 30s, and I don't, I don't know how old you are. I don't know how old the reader is who wrote this email. But 
some things only will come with time. You have to give yourself time. When you're in your 20s or where, when you are in your 30s, it's not that it's not that you're lacking in any, any raw material. It's just that you're lacking in a certain amount of experience that's necessary to give you a certain type of perspective. And you'll know what I mean when you've got another decade and a half or so under your belt. Once you've taken your lumps, once you've taken the gashes, the incisions, the grape shot, the, the you know, all of the 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 whips and slings and arrows of of fortune once you've paid your dues you'll know what i mean you'll reach a point where certain things just will not bother you and i think once you reach that point then you will then you will be able to connect much better with a lot of the things that you're you're reading because when you give people certain things to read you know especially when it comes to philosophy or 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 things that are very profound, it's hard to really get somebody who's very young to fully appreciate it. Now, I think they still should read it. They still should get that in their in their cranium because it will become part of you. You will internalize it and it'll become part of you. And you'll remember as you get older, that will stay with you. And you'll reread these great books in, in the years ahead. Maybe you'll reread them once a year for the next 10 years and you'll get something new out of it every time. And that's what's so great about a great book, a great classic, even the great Stoic classics. Uh, they will say something different to you every time. If you read On Duties once a year for the next 10 years, it'll be like a different book. You will literally see a different book in front of you when you read it. That's how much your perspective will change. And that's a very good feeling because it tells you that you are growing and you're learning. And as a last recommendation, I'm going to ask, or I'm going to tell you, to go to my website, qcurtius.com, and in the search box in the upper right corner, you can type in the words, the, the name William Slim, British general, served in the Burma campaign in the Second World War. And I wrote about four articles about him over the summer. And I think the article... Uh, that series of articles can really help you with the questions that you're asking, especially the last one, which I wrote, which was called Disaster Can Be the Stimulus for Victory. The title again was Disaster Can Be the Stimulus for Victory. And there's a great quote that he has here that I quoted and I put in the article that I got from his memoirs. And it's a, it's a great memoir because it talks about how he came back from total defeat. When the Japanese invaded Burma in 1942, he was thrown out of Burma completely in abject defeat. And he had to rebuild his forces. He had to come back strong. And he did. And he came back with a vengeance. And it's a very inspiring memoir, very inspiring story. And what is very good about this memoir is the brutal honesty with which he describes his own defeats. He doesn't sugarcoat anything. He doesn't equivocate. He doesn't camouflage. He puts it all out there. And I wanted just to read a little bit of this to you uh, because it's just so great. And you know, you got to love the British. Nobody can match the British when it comes to 
tolerating extreme hardship and coming back strong. You just got to love it. You know, I'm watching, before I read this, I'm watching, I'm, I'm re-watching the movie uh, Master and Commander, Far Side of the World. I saw this movie in the theaters when it first came out in 2003. And I loved it then. And seeing it again, and I say to myself, what a, what a wonderful movie. What a fantastic film this is. Without doubt, the greatest uh, nautical story ever filmed. Without a doubt. And I'm going to write a little bit more about it on Sunday. But uh, it's got so many, besides just being technically a, a brilliant film, it's got so many lessons in there for leadership and camaraderie and duty and responsibility that I really think that's the type of thing that should be shown in schools to make an impression on young guys because it's uh, it's such a such a fantastic movie. Anyway, I'm sorry for the digression. Let me go back here to William Slim. Let me just read this passage here, which you can take with you is the takeaway here. And this is the context here he's talking about. He's ruminating on his defeat by the Japanese. He's giving his own dark night of the soul impression of his own defeat. And it's very sobering. He says, For myself I had little to be proud of. I could not rate my generalship high. The only test of generalship is success, and I had succeeded in nothing I had attempted. Time and again I had tried to pass to the offensive and to regain the initiative, and every time I had seen my house of cards fall down as I tried to add to its crowning story. I had not realized how the Japanese, formidable as long as they are allowed to follow undisturbed their daring projects, are thrown into confusion by the unexpected. Thus I might have risked disaster, but I was more likely to have achieved success. When in doubt about two courses of action, a general should choose the bolder. I reproached myself now that I had not. In preparation, in execution, in strategy, and in tactics, we had been worsted, and we had paid the penalty. Defeat. Defeat is bitter. Bitter to the common soldier, but trebly bitter to his general. The soldier may comfort himself with the thought that, whatever the result, he has done his duty faithfully and steadfastly, but the commander has failed in his duty if he has not won victory, for that is his duty. He has no other comparable to it. He will go over in his mind the events of the campaign. Here, he will think, I went wrong. Here, I took counsel of my fears when I should have been bold. There, I should have waited to gather strength, not struck piecemeal. At such a moment, I failed to grasp opportunity when it was presented to me. He will see himself for what he is, a defeated general. In a dark hour, he will turn in upon himself and question the very foundations of his leadership and his manhood. And then he must stop. For, if he is ever to command in battle again, he must shake off these regrets and stamp on them, as they will claw at his will and at his self-confidence. He must beat off these attacks he delivers against himself and cast out the doubts born of failure. Forget them, and remember only the lessons to be learned from defeat. They are more than from victory. So those are the words of General William Slim. Well spoken and ought to be taken to heart. So these are the points that I will offer as suggestions 
to the reader's question about how to gain and maintain confidence. That's all tonight here at Fortress of the Mind. I'm Quintus Curtius. Good night.